Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. You are listening to a message from our Wednesday night service. This word has been a word that I have just been very fascinated with from a young age. Um, from when I was, I don't know, maybe like seven years old, this word somehow entered into my brain and it was always this, what is this word about? What is the link between glory and suffering? What is the link between Jesus's suffering on earth, his death, and now he's in a state of being glorified? What is the link between that? And uh, I want to share a little bit about that tonight because everything Jesus endured, everything, the rejection, the shame, the being misunderstood, the physical torture, torment he went through, all of that that he endured was for your sake, to bring you close to the Father, to say, I love you, I, I want to bring you near. He did all of that, endured the cross for the sake of the joy that was set before him and that was bringing us all in. So you are very valuable to him. Your life is very valuable to Jesus. He paid a great price to say, I want you near, I want you near. And now that he's endured all that, this is the state that he's in, a state of glory. And so we want to learn about that. Um, the other reason why I want to talk about this is because I don't know what's going on in all of your lives, but there is a sense of things getting tighter. You know, things, things that maybe you were okay coasting with before in this season, nah, we're tightening things up. There's a sense of urgency about what's going on, even in the world, right? There's a sense of, whoa, things are shifting. We got to be alert um, yeah. yes, because it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. We want to be alert. You know, DK's brother is a firefighter in L.A. And, you know, fires there are no joke. So he's a first responder there. And it's a given that you have discipline. It's a given that you, there's quick action, quick obedience, if you want to call it that. That's a given. That's, you know, there's no, oh, let me slowly put my clothes on. No, you're on the go, on the move when there's a call. And actually in the kingdom of God, how God designed it, we as his children, we're the first responders in this world. We are the ones sent in this world to be the first responders. So if we ourselves are the ones bleeding, hurt, you know, because we haven't dealt with something and it's grown, it's grown, it's gone infected, it's infected other areas. If that's us, then now you need your own teammates to bind you up instead of going out and responding to what's going on. So you're taking two people out now, right? What we do not deal with in this season 
is not only infecting you, it's going to start infecting the people around you. If it hasn't already, it will. It will over the years, the things you ignore. So this is a season where God's saying, it's okay, son. It's okay, daughter. Don't rush it. Take time. Get well. Deal with what I'm showing you because I'm equipping you to be a first responder that brings healing, that brings water when there's floods, right? That doesn't respond in fear and in chaos. What you see everywhere else, that, that is not inside of you, but you're above that and you know how to respond with his love, his wisdom, his strategies, and you can move. That's his heart. So in order for us to live like that, we actually really have to understand this word. And I'll share a little bit why. Um, Living from the glory realm will be key in this season. Living from the glory realm will be key. Knowing God, relating to Jesus as king. Jesus as king. Jesus is king. He's king, and that is true, whether we believe it or not, whether we act like it or not, whether we say it but act a different way, Jesus is king. That is a glory realm that he reigns from. When we relate to Jesus correctly, we actually rule correctly. When we understand the glory realm, how he reigns, and we relate to him rightly, then we reign rightly. We rule rightly. We don't rule from a place of insecurity that leads to power and control and manipulation. We don't rule from a place of insecurity where actually others rule over us because we're intimidated, we're afraid of man. We don't take our place, take our authority. Jesus wants us to reign with him. In glory, from glory. You know, when Pastor um, was talking about the, the different heavens, I wasn't here Sunday, so I missed whatever happened that you guys are referring to. But, um, you know, he's talking about the first heaven, right? And the second heaven and the third heaven. And he's talking about the first heaven is the stars, right? And the skies. And then the second heaven is where there's um, demonic activity, warfare, spiritual warfare. The third heaven is where Jesus is ruling and reigning from. And in Ephesians, it talks about how we, if if we receive Jesus, we are now seated with him in the heavenly realms. That is the truth. We actually live, we're supposed to operate from the third heaven, not from earth, not one-on-one with the enemy as though we're living in the second heaven. No, actually, the truest reality is you're above that. You're seated in the third heaven with Jesus. You're supposed to rule and reign from that place. We are supposed to rule and reign from that place. We are supposed to respond from that place. In order to do that, we have to get this inside of us. We really have to understand it. Glory is used 384 times in scripture. And You know, if you think about that word, what it means, it means what you probably think it means. It means high honor, reverence, beauty, brilliance, as in radiance, greatness, possessing outstanding eminence. 
And in scripture, uh, in the Hebrew word, the word is kavod, kavod. And, and it means glory, but it, there's a sense of, it means heaviness, a weightiness about it. So those are the different dimensions in Hebrew. It, there's a sense of it's, it's heavy, it's weighty. And actually, I find it very interesting. There's this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 4. And it talks, it's a play off of this word glory. Because in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 4, Eli, who's a priest, um, he, it, it describes him as, his eyes were growing dim. His eyes were growing dim. And, and the positive side of, of heaviness is that it, there's a weightiness to God's glory. But the negative side of this word kavod is you're dim, you're dull. You've lost your senses. You've lost a sense of seeing clearly. So it's, there's a play on that in this chapter, 1 Samuel 3. It describes Eli actually as, and this is when he actually passes away. His two sons are wicked. He, his two sons, basically they were extorting. They were taking the fat from the sacrifices and they were sleeping around with women right in front of the, the tavern, right in front of where, right outside this sidewalk, they'd be right there sleeping around with women. No reverence, no reverence for the presence of God. They're the ones that are supposed to be the mediators of his presence. And that's how they're living, right? So there's this play off of glory because Eli is described as being, uh, his eyes had grown dim. He fell over backwards when he died and his neck was broken. So he's cut off from the head. His neck breaks falls over backwards and it says he was very old and he was fat or I think it says he was heavy so it's like dang that is not a good description of you that's not how you want all of eternity to remember you okay with those words um, but it's a playoff of words because it's saying he was heavy he had grown heavy himself he was supposed to get, give a heaviness to the presence of God but instead he's his eyes are growing dim. He's not understanding, seeing the presence clearly. And he's growing fat as his two sons are also eating the things that belong to the Lord. There's a lack of reverence. There's a lack of reverence. And if you think about, you know, King David, before he, uh, if you think about King David, one of the things that struck him and that he learned early was a reverence for the ark because somebody died, right? You guys know this story? Somebody died trying to catch it as it was falling and he was struck dead. And David learned early, whoa, there is a reverence. There's a proper way to approach the ark. There's a proper way to approach the glory of God. And our understanding of glory will affect how we govern and rule, how we govern and rule. So um, in Hebrews 2, if you guys want to turn there, if not, just, you know, listen and I'll, I'll read it. Hebrews 2, it says, for, this is verse 5, 
5 through 8. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man, he's now quoting Psalm 8, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have, as in it's already happened. And this is David, right? So this is Old Testament. David is saying this. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. So what you're seeing in David is somebody that understands governing and ruling. He understands that God gave man the authority to govern and rule in the way that he does. And he's crowned us with glory and honor. Which means, you know, when we were singing before about we lay our crowns before Jesus, I've heard Pastor Adam say, you have to have crowns on your head in order to put them in front of Jesus. And it's true. We are actually crowned with glory in Jesus. We are already crowned with glory. And we're expected to rule from that place. We're expected to govern from that place. But our understanding of all of that is very intimately connected to our understanding of sonship. Our understanding of sonship. Actually, in scripture, the two are often show up together. Sonship. Um, Romans 8. And I encourage you this week, you know, read this chapter, read this book. Romans 8. For I consider that the sufferings, this is verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons. So in verse 18, it's the glory that's going to be revealed. We already have glory, but there's more. There's a lot more that will be revealed in us. And then the next verse, it says the revealing of the sons of God, which means the glory that's revealed, that's going to be revealed in us is tied to the glory, the revealing of our sonship, our sonship. And they use the word sons because the sons receive the full inheritance. So that's what all of creation is waiting for, for us to reveal that we are truly, truly sons of the glorious Father, the good and glorious Father. Those two are linked. Your understanding of glory, so your understanding of how you rule and how you reign is intimately tied with your understanding of sonship. And I just want to share a little bit personally, um, you know, my journey in some of these areas of identity. Uh, I didn't have the story where it's like, man, you just lived in iniquity for, you know, for however long. And then when, when Jesus encountered you, it was like instantaneous because you knew how wicked you were before. That was not my story. 
Um, me, I kind of grew up in the church from a young age, but when I was around 12 years old, my father, he kind of dabbled in, um, in occultic stuff, cultic stuff. So he had like a, a liver problem and he went to his friend who was practicing a different like cult, witchcraft, culty thing, and he got healed from that and he just converted. And in that system, that religious system, cult practice, they believed in some wild things that I, I don't need to repeat, but one of them, it, he ended up selling our house, taking the money, and abandoning my mom and my sister and my brother and I. So I was 12, 14, 11. And there's no like, hey, heads up, this is what I'm going to do, right? It's like next day, bam, no home, where are we going to go? No, like everything bankrupt. And um, so even though I'd grown up in the church, obviously there's going to affect my sense of identity, right? Because fathers, you're the ones to call out identity, call out purpose. This is how God designed it to discipline children, correct them. Fathers, that's, that's, your, that's your assignment. That's your calling. That's part of it. And, you know, the, things get disorderly when the father is absent, right? If the mom tries to be those things, that's disorderly. That's disorderly. And so my journey with understanding sonship was quite honestly a big struggle you know it when you talk about the orphan spirit a lot of what that is it's rejection abandonment um, a sense of competition where you feel like if somebody else gets it there's not enough for you lack mentality poverty mentality what you're seeing rampant in the world stems from orphan spirit. Even what you're seeing with Hamas, Hezbollah, like that, the roots of that, we're going back to Isaac and Ishmael, rejection, lack of father. That's where it starts. And it warps into, you know, violence, rage, murder. It, it twists and it grows. And that's what it turns into. And that's what's in the world. You know, when you see transgender movement, what's at the root of that? Self-hatred, orphan spirit. This is everywhere. So God really wants it out of the church. Amen. How are we going to be first responders if we're bleeding Amen. from that? God really wants to heal us up. And for me, it was a journey. It was a journey. I, I'm going to tell you what I wish I had done. <laughs> I wish I had just taken this and read it and believed everything it said was for me, believed my name and our inheritance, believed everything this said, and all I did was read this and believe it. That's all you need. If you're struggling with any of those things I just listed, this is all you need. 
the word of God, to believe it, not just read it, believe it. That everything it says is true. You don't need to feel it. You don't need to see it. You just need to say, yes, I believe this. And it will become your guiding reality. It will become the truest thing in your life. I wish that would have saved me decades, decades of struggle, decades of shame, of cycles, of feeling like, dang it, I'm still here? Why am I still here? It would have saved me decades. So if you're struggling with any of those things, they creep up in rejection, when somebody snubs you, when somebody disrespects you, when you feel like you know, your past has to define you, just shut all of that down and go to the word of God mm-hmm. and say, Jesus, you are king. Amen. Everything you say is true and I receive it. That's it. Read it, live in it, breathe it, eat it until it's true in your life. That's it. So for me, um, my experience with encountering a king of glory, uh, I'll just, I'll skip ahead, but when I was in my early 20s, there was this one moment I had where I had a dream about my earthly father and at this point, God had already been starting to you know, put his finger like, you know when he does that? When he puts his finger on that one area and he's, he won't stop touching that one area, it's because he wants to heal it. <laughs> it's because he wants to go deeper and say, there's more, there's more of my healing for you, my son. Let me go there and I can heal and free even more. And if your inclination is to be like, I already dealt with that. There, there's, nothing, there's nothing to touch there anymore. <gasps> Let him do it. There's more. There's more. There's always more. Let him do it. Let him free you. Let him heal you so that you can be in a place where you have that to give, where you're not touchy around that area. <gasps> Let him do it. He's good. He has your best in mind. Let him do it. So uh, that time I had this dream, okay, God's been, he's putting his finger on a place where I received some healing. He's going deeper. He's going deeper. So with this dream, I, I, um, I won't go into details of it, but I shared it with my mentor and we just decided, let's just pray. Let's pray together. So we're praying and, and all of a sudden I just started, let's say God gave me his heart for my father and I just had his heart of compassion for him. It was like I was praying for a long lost uncle, not like my earthly father. So I'm just blessing him because he's lost. He's wandered off from the father and he's lost his way. And that's what I'm interceding for. And I'm just blessing him, blessing him, cutting off anything in his life that's leading to deception, you know, speaking forgiveness over him. And This wasn't the first time this happened, but it was probably one of the most powerful times it happened. Head to toe, I I felt electrocuted. Like my whole body was buzzing as I'm praying for my father. Buzzing, like shaking. And I sensed God say to me, this is the kingdom of heaven. 
This is the atmosphere of heaven. This is reigning, now what I would say, reigning and ruling and releasing the kingdom of heaven in the glory realm, from the glory realm. And I knew as this was happening to me, wherever my dad is, stuff is getting broken off of him. Wherever he is, I've never seen him since. But again, Lord, you know, will do whatever he wants. And I knew stuff is getting broken off of this man. Stuff is getting released. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven wants to be released here on earth. And he wants you to be an agent of that. He wants you to be a ruler of his kingdom. But that's not going to happen if we're not blessing our enemies. If we're not, if we're not acting like the kingdom, living from the atmosphere of the kingdom, we're not going to release the kingdom. <laughs> you know what you're going to release instead? The kingdom of darkness. There's only two. There's only two. Okay? So we want to learn our identity as sons. Because when we do, we become unoffendable. Do you know how, and I say this because I didn't do that. God gave me that dream. God put his finger on that area. God told me what to pay attention to. This is why we need to pay attention to those places that are a little uncomfortable. He's trying to bring breakthrough into your life by those places. That's what he's trying to do. When he put his finger on that, and when he you know, gave me that dream, led me to pray for that, you, you know how, how much easier it is when somebody curses me, speaks ill of me, whatever, rejects me? You know how easy it is to be like, mm, that's, that's fine, bless you. You know how easy it is experiencing Jesus in that way as a king of glory to release peace? and blessing over enemies, over people that curse you. And I'm, I'm, hear me, I'm not saying we're going after encounters. We're in, that's not the goal. The goal is not encounters of, you know, bodily encounters or experiences. The king of glory wants to meet you, wants to touch those areas and heal those areas and show you that he is king. And when we allow him to do that, the other times that we face challenging situations and circumstances at work, with your bosses, with your coworkers, with family members, with people that don't know Jesus, with people that do know Jesus, the people inside this church, whatever situation, you will rule differently when you encounter a king of glory who calls you son, daughter, and heals those places that make you a little bit touchy. Let him do it. Let him do it. What happens in the scriptures when God manifests his glory? And I don't have slides because I, I didn't want to 
be distracted personally. I don't want to be distracted. So what happens in the scriptures when God manifests his glory? Um, I'll just give a few examples. And one of them that's common is when God manifests his glory, you will be afraid. <laughs> you will be afraid. Um, and this is not fear as in like, oh, God, I'm afraid of you like this. This is a very, it's a reverential awareness of your humanity and God's godness that causes the fear of the Lord, the awe of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord. When you encounter a king of glory, that's a common response in scripture. Isaiah 6, right? Woe is me, I am undone. He encounters the Lord and that's his response in Isaiah 6. In Matthew 17, the transfiguration, right? When um, Jesus' best guys are brought up and they see Jesus transfigured before them. His face, this is from Matthew 17, but there's other versions. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. In Luke's version, it says they saw Jesus's glory. And when the disciples hear the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear him. And when the disciples heard that voice, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. There's an otherness, entirely other. You are entirely other. There's that sense of awe and reverence that strikes them. Acts 9, right? When Paul's on the road to Damascus and he sees Jesus and he hears Jesus, he's trembling. He can't see for three days. He doesn't eat or drink because he's so shaken up. This is what happens when we encounter the King of Glory, King Jesus. The shepherds in the field, right? The angel of the Lord appears, the glory of God appears. And it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So that is a common response. You'll be very aware of your own sinfulness, your own iniquities when you encounter a king of glory and this is again not to strike fear in our hearts it's for us to relate to god properly it's for us to see this king yes he's a king of glory king of holiness but he, this king loves me died for me gave up everything for me why would I not trust him? Why would I not let him touch those areas? He knows way better and he has the power to do it. He has the power to deliver. Another common response is that miracles happen. When Jesus manifests the glory of the Father, miracles break out. Water to wine was the first one. John 2, the beginning of signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, water into wine, and he manifested his glory and his disciples believed him. 
So those are linked. When God manifests his glory, the kingdom of heaven breaks in, miracles break in. Because Jesus is demonstrating he is Lord and King. He is over disease, sickness, demons, nature, all of it. He's King. And that's what is demonstrated when God's glory manifests. Another response, some miss it altogether. Some stay in unbelief. This should be a wake-up, sobering wake-up call for us. Some miss it altogether. John 12, 27, Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Before this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. And the people who stood by and heard it, they heard something, but some said it was thunder. Others said an angel spoke to him. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe. They did not believe in him. So it's not a guarantee that when the king of glory comes, that we will respond correctly. It's not a guarantee that when the king of glory comes, that we will see and hear what he's doing. The unbelief in our hearts can keep us from seeing correctly, from responding correctly. And lastly, just one other way that people respond or what happens when God manifests his glory. When God manifests his glory, you are transformed into his glory. You are transformed into his glory. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, pause, Beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Okay, specifically, the glory of the Lord. Not beholding Jesus, your friend. Jesus, your foot washer. (laughs) Jesus, your brother. No, you're transformed by beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. That's king language. When you behold Jesus, King Jesus, you are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Beholding him as king, which means when you're beholding him, is it just Thank you. You love me so much. I'm so amazing. You made me so amazing by transforming me. Or does he get to speak into how you are as a husband? How you are as a wife? Does he get to speak into how you spoke to your children? Does he get to speak into how you're handling your finances, what you're doing in in secret that nobody sees? 
Does he get to speak into what motivated that when you did that? Was that for me or was that for you? Does he get to speak into those places when you behold him? He wants us to behold him as king. He is king. And what he says brings life. So we get transformed into his image as we behold the glory of the Lord. We will be transformed into his likeness. We will, it's a guarantee. We will be transformed into his likeness as we behold the glory of the Lord. 1 John 3, 3, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. If we believe this to be true, we will take serious our purity. If we believe that beholding the glory of the Lord leads to glory in us, leads to us ruling and reigning correctly with fullness of truth and fullness of grace, with the heart of love, even for our enemies, if we truly believe that, we will be pure. We will purify ourselves just as he is pure if we have hope that that is true and possible, if we believe everything this says, we will do that. We will do that. You were made for glory because Jesus is the glorious one and he wants to rule and reign and bring his kingdom to a very troubled, very chaotic, full of orphan world. I heard Leif Hetland talk about, I don't know if some of you guys know Leif Hetland, but um, he spent 28 years in Pakistan. And even Muslim leaders, they will refer to him as an ambassador of love because he's just poured out love, his life. He's given his life to loving, um, to loving Pakistan, to loving Muslims. And he shares about how when the Soviet Union left Afghanistan, it left their country completely devastated, right? Orphans everywhere, as you can imagine. War, that's what war does. And he shares about how there was an opportunity for the church to come into Afghanistan to release the kingdom. But instead, you know who stepped in? The church was like, nope, not going to Afghanistan. On, on the whole, there were Christians, obviously, but on the whole, that was the response. You know who stepped into that gap? Bin Laden. It's like, Bin Laden comes in. I'll take, I'll take all those orphans. You know what he did? He fathered the orphans. 16 out of 19 of the terrorists from 9-11 were orphans. 16 out of 19 were orphans that there was an opportunity to come in and to release and to rule and reign 
as Jesus would and to father and to spiritually disciple. And he shares that very soberingly to say, what are we going to do today? What are we going to do today? This pattern is not just for back then. It's new. It's now. It's not new. It's now. What are we going to do as the church? Darkness loves to recruit orphans. Darkness loves to recruit. Satan wants to be all y'all's daddy. (laughs) Seriously, he is after orphans. Why? Because he can attack the whole family unit through orphans. When you wipe out the, the father of the house, you leave a mother, you leave a woman vulnerable, their child vulnerable. Satan loves to come in and father the orphans. To say, oh, that person snubbed you. Oh, that person rejected you. You know what you should do? Don't let them do that. I don't let, I don't let that happen to my children. Power back. Retaliate back. Show them, who, show them who's really in control. Show them who's really powerful. And he'll whisper. Because he wants to father orphans. Jesus rules from a different spirit. And we need his healing to allow, uh, to allow that to go deep enough so that we rule and reign like him, the humble king. The last thing I want to share before I, I want to spend some time in prayer because um, I feel like God was sharing a few things with me about what to pray for, but... Um, You really have to believe that there is a reward in this journey, in this journey that is uh, not not fast track. It's not quick and easy. Um, You really have to believe that there is a reward and that everything counts. Everything counts. Jesus sees it all. You know, and and not, not to, that's not a fear tactic. Jesus sees it all. He sees every motive, every, every why you did something, what you did it for, who you did it for. Only what you did pure for Jesus counts. And you really have to believe that there is a reward. Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When we were singing about crowns before, there's a lot of crowns in scripture, guys. There's a lot of crowns. There's crowns for, you know, and this is not like today where everybody gets a participation award um, because parents project emotional frailty onto their children and say, everyone needs one. Everyone needs an award. You can't leave anybody out. You can't leave Johnny out. Um, that's not how it works in the kingdom. There is a reward. There's a reward for those who seek him. In 1 Corinthians 9, it talks about uh, the crown, an imperishable crown. Do you not know that those who run in a rate who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Temperate in all things. They do it to obtain an imperishable crown. 
In 1 Peter 5, it talks about elders, shepherds of the flock, how you shepherd really matters. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory. 2 Timothy 4, 6. For I am already being poured out, this is Paul, poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's saying, till the end, I did it. I did it. I was pure. I did it. I fought. I stood. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. He's confident. He knows this is true. There's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. To the persecuted church, Revelation 2, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. The heavenly man, you know, he says, don't pray away persecution in China, then we're going to become anemic like the American church. <laughs> I mean, he didn't say that part, but that's what I read into it. <laughs> Don't pray away persecution. Persecution is what's growing the church. It's what's growing the Christians. And they're willing to endure anything. Don't pray away persecution in China. Loving God under trials. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Wisdom, Proverbs 4, when you make wisdom your principal thing, exalt her, she will promote you. She will bring you honor. She will place on your head an or ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you when you make wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So make wisdom the principal thing. So all this to say, Psalm 21, David talks about how God has set a crown of pure gold on his head. So he understands there's a reward. There's rewards from God for living rightly, for living obediently. I won't go on. There's a lot. There's other scriptures about the crown, but... You have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That all the seasons of hiddenness, of man in the secret place, nobody's watching, nobody knows what's going on. The faithfulness in that season is storing up for you an eternal reward in Jesus. You have to believe that. And the good news in this whole journey is Romans 1, 5 to 6. It says, through him, through Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. You receive the grace from Jesus to be obedient in this journey. And so like Pablo, just every day, I need you, Jesus. I need your grace for me to stay aligned with the Father's heart, ruling and reigning in the likeness of the Father. I'll end here. There's a C.S. Lewis book, Prince Caspian. 
I like this, this little tidbit, so this little story. Lucy, one of the girls, a young girl in the story, Aslan, that's the Christ figure, the lion, Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are? I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. It's time for us to grow. It's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to grow up. As we grow up, as we mature, we will see the King of Glory increase. We will see a vision of the King of Glory increase in our lives. And that will be, uh, that will be related to his release on earth as in heaven. We need this. We need this. The world needs Jesus. You're his first responder. We are his first responders in this world. So let's pray. Um, God, I just, I thank you so much. I thank you, Jesus, that you're our king of glory. I thank you, Jesus, that we need you and you've designed it that way. And you love that we need you. And you're happy, you're willing, you're wanting to restore, to heal, to transform us from glory to glory so that we become like you, Jesus, so that we have you to give, so that we're transformed into your image, so that we rule and reign in your likeness so that the kingdom of this world becomes the kingdom of our Lord Jesus. And Father, we invite you, we invite you to heal the places that need to be healed. We invite you to call us out and call us up. We invite you to call us out and call us up because you're calling us to be who we really are, to not live in ways that are unbecoming of who we actually really are, seated with you. So we welcome you, we welcome you, Jesus, to grow us up, to mature us, to teach us how to lumbano and release. Both, seize and release, God, so that your kingdom advances. And the, um, there are three groups of, I don't know if it's three groups of people or if it's just three individuals, but um, if this is you, I, I just want to pray a prayer over you before we close. Um, the first was if you know, in your journey, you've sensed you're trying to live rightly, but every now and then something happens where there's almost like a murderous um, response that rises within you. And maybe it goes away quickly, but almost like a, um, yeah, murderous spirit 
uh, violent um, spirit. If, if that's, that's the first, I'll just go through all of them and then I, I want to pray. Um, the second is if um, there is uh, almost like emotional cheating is the best way I can describe it. There's a sense that, you know, emotionally there is um, either fantasizing or something that's impure, um, something where the heart is kind of tugging in a different direction from purity, if there's some emotional straying, fantasizing, I want to pray over that. And the third one um, is if there's a, a witchcraft, a voice, maybe in the middle of the night, there's some witchcraft, um, there's, um, yeah, intimidating voices that um, specifically witchcraft was highlighted. So if that's you. Um, I, I yeah, just maybe raise your hand every eye, with every eye closed. Um, if that's you, if you just want to take a step of faith and raise your hand, I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Yeah, Father, I, I thank you that you came to set us free and that you are king. We just declare over every person in this house Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Jesus' blood purchased every soul. And Father, we, uh, we repent any ways we've participated with other spirits, God, knowingly or unknowingly. We repent. God, we don't feed into these other voices. And Lord, we ask for a severing right now in Jesus' name from any, um, yeah, any spirits of violence, any spirits of rage or murder, any spirits of witchcraft we rebuke in Jesus' name. And Father, we say this week people will sleep well. There'll be uninterrupted sleep. We say this week that um, Jesus, we will rule and reign like you that our souls will call them back into alignment in any place of straying. We will relate to you as king. Yes, as a good father. Yes, as our savior, a healer, but also as king, Jesus. And we trust, we thank you that you will transform us into your image from glory to glory as we behold you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.